You're listening to So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. Uh, well, that was growly. Look at you. <laughs> I'm Garrett. And today on the show, we are talking about Back to the Future Part 3, the final installment of the Back to the Future trilogy, released in 1990, starring Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, uh, Thomas F. Wilson, Leah Thompson, blah, 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 blah. Mary Steenburgen. Other people, yes, as Clara, right? Yep. Um, like we said, this is the last Back to the Future movie. Great Scott. Great Scott. Um, in this one, we see, we pick up right where we left off in Back to the Future Part 2. Mm-hmm. When Marty is in 1955, he gets a letter from, uh, was it Western Union? Yeah. Yeah. Who, who has ho- held on to this letter for like 70-something years. From 1885, it was from the doc. He's saying, I'm fine. I'm in the Old West, which we know is Doc's favorite, even though he'd never been there. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Uh, and he is fine. Don't come back for me. And Marty's cool with that until he finds out the doc is dead. Yep. Bum, he, bum, bum. he dies about a week after he writes the letter. So he gets with 1990 or 1955 Doc Brown to figure out how they can go back further to the past mm-hmm. to save Doc from dying at the hands of another Biff. And thus, <laughs> the plot thickens. And thus, the plot thickens. Let's start off with uh, things we like about this movie. Okay. How about that? Okay. What were some? Of, what were some of your favorite things? The Western genre to me is like my favorite, my favorite genre. You do ever. love Westerns. I love Westerns. It's unhealthy. <laughs> I mean, it is a little bit of an obsession, but I do love Westerns. I think Westerns are awesome. And uh, do you like the setting then? I lo- uh, yeah, I love the setting. I love the setting of, of uh, 1885 Hill Valley. Anything else? Uh, nope, that's it. Okay. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Um, well, the other thing the other thing I liked about this movie, really, in all honesty, is Buford Tannen. I loved Buford Tannen yeah. in this movie because I think it is Thomas F. Wilson's best role out of all three of these movies. And I thought he was I thought it was the most it was the character that was it was a character that was, you know, very diabolical. At the same time, he was kind of comedic. Mm-hmm. So, well, like every Biff, he's also an idiot. Yeah. So I mean, he's you, an you idiot. get some laughs out of that. He's an idiot, but he's a murderous. Right. Idiot. He's a murderous idiot, so, just like a uh, future Biff mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, alternate timeline Biff. Well, alternate timeline future Biff. Yeah. yeah. True. 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 I feel like Biff is a character who works in the in the westerns, though, because that just seemed like a character that fit. Like Biff in general seems like he would fit because he's kind of dumb. They didn't have the greatest education system in the 1800s. No. Uh, it was real basic, and that's what Biff is. But just in general, I think that his character works well with like the stereotype bad guy of the 1800s, or like mm-hmm. the Western times, because he really is just an awful human being in every Oh, my movie. God. But this one, he fit the part. Like It was just a typical Western bad guy, mm-hmm. and I liked it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mentioned that, I, so I guess nobody likes this movie. We went into this movie not <laughs> expecting to like it. You two, I don't think your opinions changed much, but mine did. Uh, not, It didn't surpass two, but I appreciate it and I like it a lot. So I liked the story of this one. I know that people will get into it later and how people say is the same thing, but I have arguments that make it different. And we'll get into that. I like the love story between Doc because you don't get to see much 
of Doc as a character. You see him as a scientist in the first two movies, but this one you get to see him as a human, mm-hmm. not just as a scientist. And mm-hmm. I really liked that dynamic. Uh, I think that was probably my favorite part was seeing more of Doc. I struggle to to pick things I like mm-hmm. because if I say the things I like, it's the same things that I liked in part one and part two. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing really stuck out to me in this one as uniquely like, I like this. Yeah. And I think that's hard about this because it's like, I want to like this movie. I really do. But when I watch it, I'm like, you know, this is this is really one that I could do without. You know, like every time I every time I've seen it, I'm like, you know, this is it's fun, but it's really if there was nothing else on television, if there was seriously nothing else on television, maybe I'd watch this. Mm-hmm. I'd rather read a book. Before we get too deep, let's recap a little bit of Back to the Future 2. So why do you like Back to the Future 2? Like, not we don't have to get into the whole, like, depths of it, but what about Back to the Future 2 makes you like it more than Back to the Future 3? I'd have to say... Specifics. The, just, I, like, bullet point specifics. I'd have to say the energy. I think the energy was up really high in Back to the Future Part 2. And it kind of kept... It kept the momentum going pretty good, especially whenever we find out that there's an alternate timeline, you're just like, whoa, what the hell's, what the hell's going on here? And all of a sudden, it kind of becomes a mystery that they have to solve. So in the plot line there, it gets a little construed. But at the same time, they're trying to like not only save their timeline, but save themselves because they themselves are. There's two. There's there's two docs and there's two Martys there. That's what I like about it. I think the future setting is the most compelling setting of the trilogy. It's the most creative and it's the first time we get to see other versions or the future versions of Marty himself and his family, Jennifer, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I think the part where toward the end, after they've dealt with the future stuff and they go back to 1955, I think putting them back in the scenario they already lived from a different perspective is groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. And for the same reason, much more compelling. Yeah. Than the nineteen eighty or the nineteen eighty five. Most of the stuff that I have done my research on shows that a lot of people who because usually there's just a debate of people like you know you either love Back to the Future three and are in like mildly whatever towards Back to the Future two or you love Back to the Future two and hate Back to the Future three. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the arguments that I've seen are like people really really like the future stuff. But then the second, that's all in the first act of the movie. The second and third act of the movie is basically going back to the exact same movie. And it's something that I never really picked up before because it's essentially what they do. So a lot of the arguments that people make towards Back to the Future 3 being the same movie as Back to the Future and Back to the Future 2, I get because there are parts that they call back to. But Back to the Future 2 is basically Back to the Future. They just go to the future in the first act, and then they're back in the first movie mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing. Like, the plot lines are different and things like that. But, again, even in the future, there's a shot, almost a shot-for-shot shot reenactment of mm-hmm. the whole chase. And that's, like, a big crux of both movies. Mm-hmm. That's just the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. And in the Back to the Future 3, yeah, they have callbacks, and they have jokes, and they have the things that they've done through all the movies. But there's not a complete reenactment 
of there's several one. complete reasons. There's callbacks. There's, there's, like there's what? the bar scene we, that Andrew's going to talk about. Like there are several total reenactments. Yeah. Okay. So, but that's also in Back to the Future too. So my my argument is if you're saying that Back to the Future three is the same movie. You have to make that same argument for Back to the Future 2. Mm-hmm. You can't just say that I don't like this because this, because it's also in Back to the Future 2. You can, and that's why I say that uh, Back to the Future 2 has the far more compelling setting. For, for, all, for the first act. Uh, for both acts. Goes, for both acts. I think it is, like I said, I think it is groundbreaking to put them back in the first movie. Right, that but is, it's the exact it's same not, setting. It's not anything new. It's a different look at the same setting. It doesn't, it's not the same movie again. It's but it them is. having to work around the fact that they have to work around what they're already doing. Right, but it's still in the same movie. Back yeah, but that's such a simplistic way to own. look at it. It's not, it's not the same. Back, but neither is Back to the Future 3. That's a simplistic way to look at it. Because this is Back to the Future 3 is a standalone by itself. It doesn't necessarily need the first movies. You can watch Back to the Future 3 and not have any idea what's going on in 1 and 2. They cover everything. They do a brief synopsis, but it stands alone by itself, and it has a different story in effect of it's a love story, and you can watch it and not need to know what's going on in the first two. With Back to the Future 2, if you have no idea what's going on, you're going to be completely confused. It's completely dependent on Back to the Future 1. I mean, it's a sequel. It should be. It's called Part 2. But it's also called Part 3, and you don't need 2 and 3. Yeah, but that just is an argument for why it shouldn't be called part three. No, because they're, they're a trilogy. So they're Not all if connected. it stands alone. That, what? If it stands alone, how is it a part of a... Tr- I'm saying part one and part two go together because it's this is one, this is two. And then part three is, uh, if it's unrelated to those two, what makes it part three? It's, it's all in the same series. Like, that's the... the, the I'm not understanding your, your argument doesn't make sense because Ocean's... You'll go back to the Oceans movies or the Ace Ventura movies. Like, they're not called part one and part two, but they're still a sequel. Right. But these are specifically yeah. called part one and part two and part three. Many so. movies are like that. Okay. okay. I don't know. I can, others. I can see his argument because we're getting, like, it's, it is a continuation of the story, but it, like, you would really need to watch the first one as a companion. It, but this is more like a companion piece because as we are progressing further into this, in this, I'm getting so lost. <laughs> um, Just like many people who watch Back to the Future too. Yeah, uh, I don't see, no. and that's another. Thing. How could you get lost if it's the same thing? Like none of these things make no. sense. to Many me. people get confused by the timelines because there's too many different timelines. There's too many different people that they have to keep up with. I I don't have that problem, but that is one of the things that I have seen people say in their reasonings for liking Back to the Future three more than Back to the Future two because it's not as. Uh, Convoluted. Mm-hmm. I was speechless as, to that. I don't know what to say to that. Colin, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's convoluted. No, I don't I, either. I, I, I think I, it's a very easy to follow movie. I think it's I, it's not yeah. it's not confusing. I never had a problem with it, but that is a lot of re- that is what many people. That's the most I see for reasons why people don't like Back to the Future Two is because of the fact that there's. This timeline, there's that, there's the original timeline, there's the secondary timeline, and then there's the alternate timeline. So there's like three different timelines that they have to follow and try to figure out where they're at and how to fix everything. So the bar scene. In the bar scene, we have the same setup that we had in the first two movies. Marty McFly goes in there for for whatever reason, and then all of a sudden... 
a tannin, whether it be Biff or Buford or Griff, walk in and start and start trouble with one of the McFlies. And in this case, it's with Marty McFly. It's always with Marty. It's always with Marty. I mean, it's always with Mar- well. The first one it was with. Uh, first one it was it was with, with George, but Marty was it there. was with George. Marty was there. He was wit- he was a witness to it. But this in particular, like nobody knows who he is. Buford thinks that it's Seamus Seamus McFly, but he famously quotes it as Clint Eastwood. I mean, his name is Clint Eastwood. Shit gets started, and then all of a sudden, there's a fight that ensues, and he ends up running outside, and he ends up doing whatever it is. He ends up like you know going around town trying to escape the gang, the gangs of people. I don't think we needed that. I don't think we needed that in the third one. I'm like, could we, could we do something a little different here? You know, could we? I see it as a reason. Like they, that is every time that they have those scenes, that's how they introduce Biff. Um, So it's just an easy way to introduce this new version of this character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the same setup and it's the same structure, but. You introduce Biff that way in the first one. You mm-hmm. introduce Griff that way in the second one. And you introduce Buford this that way in this one. And in this one, Buford actually gets the leg up on Marty. Mm-hmm. He ties him up. He strings him up. And then he gets shot down by Doc at the clock tower that they're building. Mm-hmm. So it gives it's a little different in that sense is that he gets his leg up. But that's, I mean, I think it's just an easy structure that they do to introduce the latest version of a tannin, whichever tannin that may be. Yeah. I think that's why they do it. I'm not saying it's the best way to do it, but I think that's, I mean, if you look at it, that's what they've done throughout the whole series to introduce the newest tannin. The only thing I will say about the bar scene about that, especially, especially that is it gets predictable. Sure. I mean, it gets predictable because you're just like, oh, he's walking into a bar here in just a minute. Oh, look, tannin walks in. You right, know. but again, in this one, Tannen gets the upper hand at the end, so mm-hmm. it shows that this Tannen's got maybe a little more moxie. He's mm-hmm. still a big dumb idiot, mm-hmm. but he's he gets one over where the other ones have not. Yeah, on on Marty. Mm-hmm. I just I, I'm I'm still not seeing why we needed that in there again. What would you have done to introduce Buford? Maybe if, Bar- if Marty entered into a bank, maybe Marty entered into a bank and saw him robbing the bank. Because there's a point in time when they actually get, I think they actually get arrested for robbing a bank or something like that. So that would be a little bit. Right, but that's in the future. That would be a little bit. In, yeah. Yeah, but it probably wasn't his first bank robbery. Yeah. So I just. Yeah, there's just. You got to look more at the scene there, because that scene also sets up because Buford's the one that kills Doc. So we mm-hmm. find that out mm-hmm. in this particular scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out why and we know how much money in, like, we know that Doc gets shot and killed over $80. So in this scene, you set it up and you find out all of that background information. You find out that Buford's the one that's going to kill him. You find out where the money comes from. You find out that Doc is a blacksmith. Like, it sets up all of this stuff. But you could have done it in a different way, yes. Mm -hmm. But I think people recognize that as the way that they've done it, and it's another callback. Mm -hmm. There could have been a different way, for sure, Mm -hmm. that they could have done it. But following the pattern of the movies, that's... I think just something that they called back to. Mm-hmm. It's lazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's reconstructing the scene is more, it's more than a callback to me. 
And we didn't, we found out that it was Buford before we met him. Like it, it was on Doc's tombstone. We knew it was Buford who shot him over an $80 bet. Mm-hmm. All we learned in the bar scene was that, oh, this is Buford. And we could have found that out in any sort of way. Well, we could have found that out at the dance a little later on that night. The dance? Yeah, the dance, uh, that, that, that dance or whatever they had, that little hoedown they had whenever they started up the clock tower. Cause he, that's, he goes there too. Hmm. And he's told to surrender guns, and he brings one in. So it's just a characterization. So I will agree with you on the. I will agree with you on the characterization of this. I think the characterization of this is the what best Buford. Yeah, the best I mean, like it really. If there's anything, and now that I think about it, if there's anything that sells the movie for me, it would be the characterization. Because yeah, I mean. If Back to the Future is anything, it is a character study of people that are dead. <laughs> I think the what I liked most about the movie is that this is the one where you get the most depth out of everybody mm-hmm. as far as characters. You get to see Doc as a human and not just as a traveling scientist. Like, we've seen all of that. You get to see him struggle with being a scientist and being a human. Mm-hmm. Because in uh, other movies, he's just a crazy old scientist that the only person that likes him is Marty. He and the struggle with him being uh, emotional to a woman. Mm-hmm. He's never had that. We've never seen that. Uh, the struggle with him fighting that emotion and being the scientist of, okay, I can't mess with this timeline. I know I can't. That's what I've preached the last two movies. But these feelings that I have towards this woman are making me rethink everything that I've had to do in these past two movies. I'm not comfortable in my timeline. I want to be here. In the previous movies, he said this is his favorite timeline to consider. You see how comfortable he is as a blacksmith. He's able to do these things. He has no reason to be able to do these things. He's a scientist in the future. But he goes back and he can easily do all this stuff. And now he's falling in love in this era. And it's just so much more of Doc compared to what you've had in the past. And I really liked that. Okay. I mean, that's fair. That's that's a fair judgment call. Yeah, because, well, I mean, it, it only makes sense because each movie focuses on a love story. Back to the Future Part 1 is George McFly and Lorraine. 2 is about Marty and Jennifer and their future. And 3 mm-hmm. is about Doc and Clara and theirs. So it, it fits a natural rhythm of the trilogy mm-hmm. to, to have a, a love story focus. That's a nice theme to it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Also, speaking of themes, uh, one of the things I wanted to just point out here is about the theme of destiny. Mm-hmm. I think destiny plays in, plays a huge important role in all three movies. What I think what draws I think what draws this closer to it is that like you can change your destiny at any point in time because we find out that in Back to the Future Two, whenever Marty supposedly got into that car wreck with needles. That he was actually able to avoid it by like kind of overcoming his overcoming his fear of being called chicken, yeah, just making better choices. Just making better choices. Yeah. So and that goes back. That's something I also wanted to bring up because, and it's another character depth of Marty that you get in Back to the Future Three. You learn why he is so gung ho on trying to be, you know, a chicken, and it's Seamus. Who was like, why do you do this? Like, I had a, he had a brother, right? Who was the same way and got killed. Is that, is that, is that what I remember correctly? And so Seamus gets to Marty, and at one point in time, Doc lets it drop 
that Marty gets into an accident, which is what causes the future, but he doesn't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So through all and and the thing to keep in mind for these movies is that realistically they all take place within the span of like maybe three days mm-hmm. in in timelines because they always go back to the same thing, but it's always like a continual thing. So really, a f- only a few days have surpassed in the timeline of the movie. Mm-hmm. So the things of people calling Marty a chicken that are in the whole thing that gets brought up as, as being repetitive and lazy. But I think after seeing what changes in this movie, it's leading you up to the depth of the character. Like you're seeing him go through this and yes, it might be frustrating as an audience member to watch it, Mm -hmm. but keep in mind, why would he have changed? He has had no reason Mm -hmm. because it's all within the span and the timeline of the movies. It's all within the same span. So, there's no reason for him to have changed. So yes, they will. They would be in there mm-hmm. for all of these movies. The change comes at the very end, whenever he stops Buford, or he doesn't. He like stands up to Buford, but he does it out of necessity. Whenever he has Doc, he says no initially, mm-hmm. and then he doesn't race needles. That shows that he has changed through all of the stuff that he's been okay. through, and you get that as more depth to Marty. In part three. Okay. Yeah, it's fair. It's a fair observation. So, um... I just don't think they needed to do it the same way every time. Yeah, I just... The main problem with this movie that I have really is with the energy. Like, I feel like there's no energy to it. Because... I don't. I guess maybe I don't understand what you mean by energy. You say that, but you don't give enough, like, specifics for me to understand what you mean. Well, like, okay, in the... In the first movie, we have, like, the first movie was different. It was a different movie altogether because it's a fantasy science fiction film. Sure. And it's like, okay, cool. We're getting something We're getting something really, really interesting here. He's going back in time. He's changing, he's changing history kind of for the better and almost accidental. But he's doing it, he, he, like, like the, the, the energy is good because we see that change that's happening. The second one... Is purely plot, if that makes sense. Um, the second one is purely plot, and what we're what we're focusing on is just like the like the action is better. Like there's a lot of action in the second one. I think that's what makes it makes it more exciting. The third one here just doesn't have that. It just like I I think what I where I agree with what you're saying is it just doesn't. It's not an exciting movie. No, it's not an exciting movie at all. Like, it's not, it's, it's a very, it's almost a dull film. Not a dull film, like that, like, you know, like, it's boring. But it's just not. I get it. Because not every movie needs to be full of action and stuff like that. But this movie should be. This movie should be. Because that's what they have chosen for it to Mm -hmm. be. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're watching them figure stuff out and it's like, oh, cool, they're figuring it out. And then. There comes a point in time when we just we just kind of stop caring about the whole time travel thing, and then where do we go from here? You know, are, are they eventually going to get back? Yeah, sure. And we see that. And there's always that point in time when it's like it, it, it really threw a curveball whenever Doc didn't go with them. I will say that threw me for a loop. Right. I think the action in this, I think, so I guess I would argue that the Back to the Future is itself i would argue that two is based more on action and three is based more on plot and story 
Mm-hmm. That's the reason that it doesn't have that energy because it's focused on the story. Mm-hmm. And then the action comes at the end mm-hmm. of the movie, which mm-hmm. is the, the ultimate climax where you don't know if the train's going to make it because it's up to the the logs that explode that go mm-hmm. into the thing. Is it going to make it up to 88 miles an hour? Because there's a, a ditch that they have to go through. So they have to make it up. Otherwise, he's going to die. Mm-hmm. Um Claire is about to die. Mm-hmm. She's hanging by her dress on the ch- on the train, walking on the side. So is Doc. Doc has to decide if he's going to get in the DeLorean and go to the future, or if he's going to save the woman that he loves. And Marty has to help save Doc because he's also about to die as this train continually explodes to go faster and faster. And he shoots in the hoverboard. He catches it with his foot and is able to save her and go off as he goes off to the train, mm-hmm. like that is action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just at the very end. Exactly, what saying it's, which is it's why not balanced, well. right? Which it's, is why I'm saying part just, three is focused on story and plot, not two. Two is more on action, because if if you're saying that the energy is high in part two, then I, I don't, and not three. See, see, this part, is more focused on story and development. See, here's what I, here's what I have to say about part three is I think part three is mainly more about character. I think, I, as far as plot goes... I think it's more about Doc's character. Mm-hmm. I think it's more about character than it is anything else, because as far as plot is concerned, I'm not I'm not seeing it in number three. I just see, I just see it in two. No, I see it I in think, two. I see it in two. I, I really see it in one. What we ultimately have to look at with this trilogy is every movie has different aspects of the story. But every movie follows the same structure. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, by the time you get to three, it's stale to follow yeah. that same structure. I agree. Let's go back to when we talked about um, this, the original Star Wars trilogy to open this. One, two, and three tell a different story in a different way and make an overarching story. Back to the Futures, one, two, and three tell a different story the same way mm-hmm. and it creates an obstacle to make that arc mm-hmm. because each movie is someone goes back in time Biff gets in the way they have to fix something that they broke then the time machine breaks before they can get back they have to fix it and then they go back that happens in each one mm-hmm. so the I think the fault of this trilogy is uh, clinging to structure too much mm-hmm. clinging to the st- same structure mm-hmm. my Overall problem with part three is it's just not different enough. No. I've saw I saw it twice and I didn't want to see it a third time. Yeah. They just should have used Back to the Future Three to wrap up the trilogy in a unique way that didn't need that didn't require them to repeat the same mechanics that they wrote for the first two. Cause they do wrap up at the very end of three in some ways. Really, only Marty, to me, gets a satisfying ending. I'm frustrated with Doc because he defies his character, mm-hmm. and that bothers me. He, Him going with Clara is just the opposite of who, what Doc would do. Mm-hmm. He, Who knows what kind of... Something that Doc would say is, who knows what kind of catastrophic things he could have changed for the future by, by going and deciding to be with her in the past. Right, but he, think about this. So... That is a that's a valid point, and it's something that I struggled with in this movie too. Because whenever he died, I was like, "So if he died, is any of this going to matter?" But he is 
Future Doc. He is not... So, 1955 Doc is regular timeline Doc. 1985 Doc is the one that goes to 1885. So, by him, Future Doc, going to the past, regular timeline Doc, in theory, should continue to live out everything else because it's Future Doc that goes back in time. So, I don't know... How that would, how necessarily that would have changed things, but I—that's uh, where the timeline and the time travel thing gets confusing for me, because had it been the 1955 doc that went to 1885, then yes, but yeah. because it's in the future that went to the past, I, I now there's just two different docs, and one doc is setting up something different, so that's where. I struggle with the timeline structure. I think what I, I I don't I take less issue with with Doc's future because I think he often cares less about his future than than everyone else's. Where I take issue with it is he changed her future. Yeah. In in a sort of selfish way. But her future ended with her in a ditch. That's still a changing of the past that that past Doc would not have wanted to do. And I think that's why I enjoyed this movie because of the internal struggle that he has. He struggled with with the science and the emotions because we've never seen him have emotions. It's always been science driven. So he was in a section where he was facing emotions for the first time seemingly in his life and had to make the decision. That's a character build. Yeah. It's a good it's a good I just personally feel no. like it's it's a not good direction no, for him. No, it's not. It, it they he does change. I just don't like it. But see, I and I think that's I why like I like this the change. movie because I did because it showed him as a human. It made him struggle and he finally was comfortable and happy because he didn't necessarily seem unhappy, but he also was missing a lot. He had what one friend and a dog and was an eccentric scientist, and now he has a family and a wife, and he's still traveling through time, something that he was trying to do. That was like his ultimate goal, and he did it, but now he has a family that he can spend time with mm-hmm. and travel to, and I think that's why I liked it, is because I did like the, the, the change in Doc's character. I think you also had to look back at the first, at the first, uh, the ending of the first movie, when you know after he gets shot and he wakes up and he realizes he has that bulletproof vest on, he said, "You know, Marty just says about all that talk about screwing up future events. That's that space time continuum." He just says, "Well, I figured just what the hell." And right. you can and you kind of see that, and you kind it's like right there at the very end of it. He says, "You know, you can almost see the change in it." He's just like, "You know, I'll, you know, I'll, thirty years, you know, I'll look you up." And then he goes straight to the future from right there. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that's a good point because I think that also shows the character because in the last episode we talked about how there was absolutely no reason for them to go to the future in the first place to change that timeline because that is something that Doc himself wouldn't do. He wouldn't come back to get Marty and just be like, your thing is messed up, we have to go fix it because that's just the way it's supposed to be. So I think this, I think that was the start of his like the foreshadowing of his change. Yeah, that's what I mean. As much as I love this trilogy, it it constantly contradicts itself, uh-huh. and I do think that's an issue that that should probably be talked about about these movies. Is all they do is preach about how you shouldn't meddle, and then they meddle. Yeah, in every turn. Mm-hmm. Now I'll give you in the first one. If Doc didn't get shot, there would be no meddling. Nope. But Marty was in charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he didn't care. Right. 
But from that point on, he had Doc, and Doc suddenly is into meddling. Mm-hmm. And that, I just think he's a, he's not a, he's, he's not a well-rounded character to me because of that. Mm-hmm. He's not consistent. And that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's why people like the first one so much is because they took that into consideration. And it is Marty who doesn't have the knowledge background. And then in the in the second one, the doc is more driving the situation as far as time travel goes. And then in the third one, Marty's in charge at the beginning. And then the doc takes over because the doc initially says, don't come back for me, go back and then Marty decides to go back to save him. And then once they're back in 1885, that's whenever the doc kind of takes over for the time travel situations. So I get, yeah, I get what you're saying there as far as him being inconsistent with his character. So what was your best scene in the movie? <laughs> the end. <laughs> I like the climax of it. I really thought it was, I thought it was an exciting aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, obviously everybody knows that they're going to make it. But the, the question as to whether or not they are, because, you know, the Clara had already fallen in this ditch once yeah. initially. Like, you knew somebody had died in the ditch. The train ends. Um, what's Doc going to do? What's Clara going to do? What's Marty going to do? Were all these questions that people had. And so I really liked the end, but for a different way than Josh did. Okay. I liked it because it was over. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite scene, it just so happens to be in the bar scene, was the saloon moonwalk. I thought the saloon moonwalk was funny, just looking at everybody's faces. And because when he starts firing the gun at him and he just starts doing the moonwalk and everybody's just kind of just looking at him, glaring at him, and then he starts singing Billie Jean. And then he hits the loose board that covers Buford Tannen and spit. That's always gross. It's gross, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, I really liked whenever they're trying to figure out when to duel. And he's like, we'll duel on this day. And then the other guy's like, oh, we got a bank robbery on this day. All right, well, we'll duel on this day. Oh, we got this thing going on. And he goes, all right, Monday. We doing anything on Monday? And he goes, no, nah, Monday'd be fine. You kill him on Monday. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. I mean, that's a lot. Um, you got I, any other, I don't have any more favorite scenes, so if you guys want no, to keep going on this. Uh, like, <laughs> when it comes to favorite scenes, no, I'm pretty well done. Like, uh, I don't have any more. I have two things. Uh, not necessarily favorite scenes, but scene-related. So in the in the last episode, we talked about how they had fax machines, and we were like, what is the deal with the fax machines? And uh, we posted a picture on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash okconnection, where you keep up with uh, things that are so many sequels as well. A uh, guy named Cody commented on that, uh, one of the pictures, talking about the fax machines. And I feel like it's a good point, so I want to give him a shout out. He talked about how at the end of part three, Jennifer still had the You're Fired paper from 2015. And so whenever he did not get in the wreck, that piece of paper changed. So it was something tangible that they could have from the future that showed that their future had now changed. And I thought that was a really good insight that I hadn't thought of. So good for him uh, on that one. And then I also right. wanted to bring up the scene that you told me about where the kid on the train mm-hmm. motions you look it up? and gestures. Yeah, I did. I Do you know about this? No. The kid on the train. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't want to bring it up and, and like play it, but okay. at the end of the movie, at the end of part three, when the train comes up mm-hmm. and uh, in the wreckage of the DeLorean, 
and the kids come out and they're all standing there. There is a part where Clara's standing there with the two kids and I'm gonna be the kid. And they're ta- I think Doc is talking and one of the kids does this. He does a the rock like come here kind of emotion. He just points to his crotch. <laughs> I'll show I'll show you when we're done. Okay. It's there. He Yeah. I'd like to go <laughs> I'd like to go find that kid and see if he remembers it because I want to believe that he is telling someone off screen that he's got to go to the bathroom real bad and that this scene's about to get real intense. And why the hell did they keep that? Why did they put that in the movie? I don't know. Maybe nobody saw it, but that I mean, you get How, how could you, you not see that? It's You've there. never seen it. I mean, okay. <laughs> like well, I'd never seen it. Well, at least one other person in here saw it. Yep. But anyway, sometimes kids do kids do the darndest things, don't they? Uh-huh. Well, do we have anything else we want to talk about? Or do we want to wrap this up and move on to the next series? Uh, I, 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 I got a lot. Of, I, I could have stopped this episode 30 minutes ago. <laughs> I mean, I, I do have a lot of stuff here, but it's it's kind of... Yeah. Well, then let's move on to the guessing game of Rotten Tomato Scores, where we try to guess what the critics think of this movie on a 1 to 100% scale. This is the third movie in the installment. I feel like it's generally seen as the lesser of the three. Uh, I don't remember what Back to the Future 2 was, but I feel like it was in the 60s I think as far as the... Critic score. I don't remember. I thought it was in the seventies. I can't. I said seventy, but I don't. Well, I don't remember. Maybe it was seventy, but no. Either way, it doesn't matter. Okay. We're guessing number three. Okay. So, what do we think three falls under? Fifty-four. Seventy. <laughs> That's high. I'm surprised. Uh, I'm gonna give it a one, <laughs> but I think they probably pick somewhere around seventy. I will go. I won't give it a one with. 60. I just so happened to have it pulled up. It is a 74. That's too high. That is 74. Too high. I feel like... Hang on. I need to double check because I feel like that's higher than part two. And I can't remember. Back to the Future part two is a 63 according to the critic score. Wow. That surprises me a little bit. Surprises me a lot. You got it right though. I did get it right. <laughs> what about our own individual rankings? One, one to five Buford Tannen mustaches? Two and a half. Two and a half. I'm going to give it three. Okay. You said you were going to give it one. I'm surprised. No, I, and, then I, and then I immediately said I'm not going to give it a oh, one. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> Listen! Huh? Yeah. Uh, no, I give, it a, I give it a two and a half because it's a good movie, but it's a good movie I saw three times. Yeah. Yeah. So it's lazy. Because I watched this twice. For right. Me. That's. It's like there's nothing really wrong with it other than it's... Same old thing. Mm-hmm. I was more thinking about the fact that the three of us had an awful intense debate to only be separated by half a point. <laughs> Made me feel like I should lower it. Well, so for me, I hated it. Like you movie. defended it a lot to only give it three. Right, right. I hated this movie though. So you have to, when I. That's when breaking this, news. Yeah, it is breaking no, news. No, I hated this movie. That's And that's why I gave it a three because it probably would have been very, very low. Like I wouldn't, you said that it, if it was on TV, you would watch it. I wouldn't. That's how much I didn't like it as a kid. I, I this said, is the first time that I've watched it as a grown adult, and I very much enjoyed it more than I anticipated. Now, I don't like it more than two, but I feel like I have an appreciation for it, and I will defend it, but I won't defend it in in the sense of saying 
then it's not got a lot of the same issues. Mm. But that's why I looked at it more as from a doc perspective. Okay. And that's why I can defend it. Okay. I mean, all of what you're saying is I think fair. it's basically you have to like doc an awful lot. Yeah. And I, I just don't think he's that great. I mean, I really only... It, I, I, to me, the movie the movie series is really all about Marty, and right, it is his and, series. And and Doc, Doc is like his sidekick. Doc is a sidekick kind of, but the thing is, is that it's the third one becomes more. He is he is the sidekick. Yeah, he is a. Sidekick. Marty does all the work. Marty does so, do yeah. all the work. So we're we're mainly focused on Marty, but yeah, um, he's just a crazy dude who you know invents a time machine. And changes his own little history. And good for him. Yeah. All right. So we finished Back to the Future. It's time. We're done with Back. It's time to move on to the next <laughs> series. It's like you were trying I'm, to say three sentences at the same time. That's Back to the Future for you. <laughs> <laughs> we're moving on to the next one. Our list of movie franchises is over 100. Wow. Yeah, like officially, we have the Marvel on the separate page, but now on the regular list, we have 101 different film franchises. Most of them not great, because that's what that's why they keep making sequels. Yep. So uh, I've got my number random number generator, and the first one that we've got is 35, and we can all have, we all have one veto that we can use. If we all use it, then the fourth one is the one that we're gonna get. I said last time that it was gonna be bad. Because that's how the universe works. Yeah. <laughs> so just do it. All right. Number 35. Number 35 is the original Spider-Man series with Tobey Maguire. Oh, that's not bad. I'm in. Yeah, I'll do it. <sighs> Challenge accepted. I think it makes sense only because Venom's coming out. Avengers just came out. There's a lot of Spider-Man-y things happening. It's been a long time since I've seen them. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, well that, that was, was the least easy. exciting pick <laughs> yeah. we've done yet. It is. It was very easy to we go. We didn't on. even have to. Just out of, we didn't even have to think about it. Just no, we're not gonna say what the other ones were. Okay. <laughs> I mean, unless I'm overridden. Do you want to know? I. What? Well, just for the, just, for, just the, right. for the sake of it, what's what would have been the next one? Fifty-six. Alien. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's like five of those. Yeah. But it's not like a bad series. No, it, in in, it's, in all, it's, it was, it's got bad entries. It's but. got bad entries, but like, yeah. All right, this is actually a pretty good list. Well, okay, I'll just list them off then. Since since, how yep. many more are you going to go through? Two more. There's oh. four total. I mean, uh, yeah. the Nutty Professor series would have been next. Oh, I would have vetoed that. I would have vetoed yeah, that yeah, too. Yeah. And then uh, the last option would have been National Treasure. I would have kept that. How many if I did treasures are there? Three. Are there three? I don't know. There's two or three. There should be three. I know there's two. But yeah, original Spider-Man, Toby Mac. Okay. Coming back. Web-slinging son of a gun. Spider-Man 2 is one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Yeah, I'll agree. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> I, I just didn't know where to go from there, so I'm going to shut it down. Uh, be back uh, next week with the original Spider-Man. The, really, the franchise that started all this movie, like superhero, the resurgence of the superhero stuff, in my opinion. Uh, you can follow us online at facebook.com slash okconnection. That's where we keep up with all of our stuffs, including so many sequels. Uh, on Instagram, it's ok underscore connection. And so many sequels pod is where you can keep up with this. Thanks for listening. 
We'll be back. I just stepped in manure. I hate manure.